Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. When I write y'all, all across the USC, Compton, Watts, Bay to LA, Pomona, California, from valley to valley. We represent that killer county. So if you're keeping it real on your side of your town, you tune in to Gangsta Chronicles. Gangsta Chronicles, we gon' tell you how it goes. Uh, if I lie, my nose will grow like Pinocchio. We gon' tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. Gangsta Chronicles, this is not your average show. You're now tuned into the real MCA, Big James, and Big Spears. Strictly from the streets. Hello. We'd like to welcome everyone to this special episode of the Gangster Chronicles. And I have a very special guest in here with us tonight, man. Um, I had the pleasure of sitting down with music executive Ron Spaulding. Ron has worked in the music industry for almost 30 years. You know, at Priority Records, he worked with such notable acts as Jay-Z and Masterpiece, No Limit Records. You know, over his lengthy career, Ron has had a hand in selling almost 30 billion records. That's a lot of money generated. How you doing tonight, Ron? I'm doing great, Steele. Good to see you, my brother. Nice seeing you too as well. You know, the first thing I got to start off with, man, you know, you got a real impressive resume. How did you wind up in the business? How did you wind up in urban music? You know what? Uh, I'll tell you, Steele, um, and some people do know this story. I didn't pick music. Music picked me. And I kind of have lived my life like that. But I was working as an hourly employee and um, in a store in St. Louis, Missouri, and um, I ended up in their executive training program. And when they promoted me up, it was a discount store called Venture Stores. I ended up becoming an assistant buyer at corporate and it was in music. So that was 
the, the very, very early days of me getting a taste that there was something to do in music besides having a mic in your hand or a guitar in your hand. Mm. So you just started off. So you started off a retail then. I did. I started off in retail and I, uh, I'll tell you a funny story, Steel. I got out of college and I thought I was going to own the world and be president of the world. Right. Because, uh, you know, I had a college education that was unusual in my family. So I'm all proud in that. And I ended up making $3 and 35 cents an hour right after college. So my dreams of owning and, and, and running the world were a little bit um, shattered at that point. Yeah, a little bit shattered. So let, let's jump up on um, the first major job you had, I assume, was at Priority Records, right? It is. I, I had been a buyer in music and the real I, I had worked for an independent label before that for about a year. But my first real break in the business was at Priority Records. And I joined Priority Records in very early days in 1990, actually. Oh, so 1990. So you were around when NWA first came in and all those guys then. Yep. I had a, had an opportunity to work with Eazy-E and Jerry Heller and, uh, and you know, certainly with Cube and Ren and Yella and, and, uh, and Dre back in those days. So as a very young sales executive at that time, that was my first taste. I'll, um, when I first got to Priority Records, I didn't have, you know, listen, I grew up without having, you know, a lot of exposure, certainly to black music and black culture. I, I had listened to some blues and some R&B and stuff like that. But I was really, uh, you know, had not grown up around that space. And the first record that they sent me um, was a group that uh, Eazy-E had signed by the name of uh, Penthouse Players Click. Now I'm taking you way back now. Well, and I quick in those guys. That's exactly right. And I put that in my player and uh, in my in my car and I was driving down the street and I rolled the windows up real quick. I was like, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> I can't believe what they're saying. So and so that was your exposure kind of like to rap music, the gangster rap. That started me. That was the first record I touched in in gangster rap and in West Coast gangster rap to be more specific. Okay, yeah. So tell me about that a little bit. Did you how were your interactions back then with Easy and those guys? Because you know you got to see them come in and kind of go through the whole thing that they were going through. Yeah, you know, um, I was an ignorant young man, just like many people are, right? Because you don't have the experience to back it up. So I didn't really understand early, like everything that was involved in the game and, and exactly where people were coming from. It took me a minute to get my head around, you know, after sitting with a lot of great artists with, um, you know, with Jerry, Jerry and Easy and you know, being in meetings with Cube and being in meetings with, with um, you know, the Rap-A-Lot folks and all that Southern hip hop. It took me a minute, Steele, to get my head around the fact that these were not just, at that time, it's changed a little bit. These were not just commercial initiatives, right, to, to make money and sell records and create some kind of hoopla. This was people talking about real life experiences. This was people expressing their frustration about police brutality or expressing their frustration about segregation or expressing their frustration about unequal treatment and those kind of things. And then I really got to understand people's walks and really where some of the lyrical content was coming from and what they were trying to say. And it became very, very, very important to me at that time. I was very impressed, saddened a lot of times, but very impressed about 
the differences of journeys between different cultures here in America and what, you know, motivated people just to, to tell their story, you know? So, so at that time, man, you know, and I, and I will hope, hope that that lays true for the day. You think kind of society impressing, um, made an impression upon music back then? Oh yeah. I think that, you know, people typically, if it's authentic, right. And it's real and stuff that stands the test of time, you know, like straight out of Compton and stuff like that. These were real stories about experiences that these young men were having in their neighborhoods and in their lives. And no one had really told it in a commercial way. I mean, everybody that lived in the community, you know, had experienced certain things that, you know, with the police and stuff that's really topical right now, but no one really had, had brought it into the mainstream. You know, it was very, very hush hush, very behind the scenes. And, really exposed a lot of interesting cultural journeys that particularly at that time, black America had been on and even, even today that they're still on. Yeah, exactly. So now let me ask you this. Did you ever have a lot of personal interaction with the guys in NWA? I had, um, I did have personal interaction, but it wasn't nearly as tight. I was always in the meetings. I had certainly sat with Eric. Um, I had certainly done, a lot of business with Jerry Heller, quite frankly, because he was, you know, at Ruthless at that time. That was a big deal to us. And I, I, I then started, that was kind of the big NWA was really the beginning of where I started to get exposed to artists, start to get in front of them, start to try and, you know, see them as something other than just, you know, stars or, you know, music artists and start to really understand them as people. But it took time from there. I was, you know, when you're at a label like that, and particularly priority being an independent label, you know, you kind of do a little bit of everything. You don't just do what you're appointed to do. So we were always mm -hmm. in the room and such and always in part of that. Um, okay, and yeah. it grew over time. Yeah, because we're going to touch on priority a lot because priority has such a strong history. And I'd like to tell people that outside of Def Jam, they're probably one of the greatest hip hop labels ever. I believe so. I mean, it's personal to me. You know, um, we had a, a really tight family there and it grew tremendously over time. But in the early days that I got there, it was really a tight family. And, and those persons, those executives and people that worked there and a lot of the artists that are still with us, you know, thank God, I'm really close friends with today, um, really close personal friends with and have maintained a fantastic relationship over the years. Okay, so let me ask you this, because you were around during that time, so you got to see a lot of people come and go. When that rift started happening with, um, you know, NWA, when they decided to break up, did that impact everything going on in the building at the time? Did that, did that cause a stir in the building? Oh, yeah. You know, um, um, you know, one of the things, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, th a lot of those rifts are obviously well documented, right? But, yeah. you know, listen, you, you know, we'll all – for for the rest of time and certainly during that time it always becomes typically about money are you all about the nba action you got to try pick six the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the nba right now new customers can earn a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 in pick six credits when you deposit five dollars or more Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. 
like will they score more or less than 30 points or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller? I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Or image, right? Those are the two Mm -hmm. things that are important in the entertainment business. So if you disrespect somebody or if you play with their money or they think you're playing with your money, you don't even have to be playing with it. You know, it causes people to get pretty emotional. (laughs) It It causes people to get real emotional. Now, let me ask you this, Ron. You guys had somebody, and I think people often forget this in history, you guys have, which probably, you know, he's probably considered one of the greatest moguls in music right now, Jay-Z. You guys actually had an opportunity to bring Jay-Z over there to priority for his first, to release his first album because everybody was telling him no. Do you remember any of the details surrounding that? I do. I do. Some of my... I prefer to leave private, but uh, uh, um, yeah, Jay-Z and Damon Dash Jay, and there was a gentleman there by the name of Al Branch, you know, um, they were the early Rockefeller, obviously everybody knows Dame and Jay, um, but we put out the Reasonable Doubt record there, and you know, pardon me, Jay, for saying this, I still think it's your best record you ever did. 
Oh, yeah, so so you thought that was the best album he ever did. So when you first heard that, you were impressed with it? Oh, yeah. I I mean, I, I thought that record was, was, you know, just off the chain at that time. And, you know, it went on. We did very well with it. I mean, you know, times have, have certainly changed in the music business like it always does. But, you know, our bar of success has changed over the year, whether it becomes streams or this or that. But, you know, putting out records like that, anything that went gold or above for us was considered to be a success. And mm-hmm. I still have plaques on my wall for Reasonable Doubt, and I'm proud of that one. That was a great record. A Reasonable Doubt? Reasonable Doubt wouldn't go back then? It did. That's a good thing. I think it's one of Jay-Z's greatest albums, too. So yeah. you're not alone in that thought. I've heard people say that. So you guys, man, the, the thing I liked about Priority is that I think you guys versus building just recording artists, you guys assisted a lot of moguls in building their brand. You guys created a lot of companies. Let me ask you this. One of the greatest success stories ever, one of the best salesmen ever, I think, in the history of rap music, Master P. Can you take us back to the beginning of how that all came with the whole No Limit thing? Yeah, I will. I mean, you know, there's still there's a lot of stuff out there now. And again, I stay in touch with a lot of that crew of No Limit crew. We spend an awful lot of time together. Me personally, I spend an awful lot of time with each one of them, whether it was Dean or Mia or Servon or KLC and and the Medicine Men and, and that whole crew. But um, it was really an interesting time because priority had just come off of the chronic, right? Which was again, probably one of the most influential hip hop albums in history. It, it, it really introduced in my humble opinion, the G funk era and really commercialized hip hop. Right. I mean, that was one of the first records. It was certainly the first record I was ever involved with that got commercial radio play. Right. That actually I didn't, we, we were, we were a street label. We put stuff out with guerrilla marketing and street marketing. We used the clubs and the DJs and, you know, there wasn't exposure on video on major network channels, BET, you know, and radio was never going to play our music, right. Or the music of the artists that we so chose, but master, you know, we had just come, I mean, chronic was still blazing. I mean, it's still doing great today. Right. And we had found success in that. And I had I was uh, had a sales at Priority. I, I worked for a man by the name of Bob Grassi there. And I was doing mainly sales and we were doing a little bit of everything. But there was a gentleman there by the name of David Weiner that worked for me at that time. He was a West Coast sales rep. And David's been on quite a bit of TV. He's a good friend of mine. He's a great man. And he really found, discovered and brought Master P to Priority and 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 being David's boss at that time, he, David and I were, you know, working to try and figure out what we had here. I'll never forget, you know, I was riding in a car before we signed Master P and, you know, uh, um, we put out the TRU record, which again, I think is one of the best records he ever did. That first TRU record was a hard record, but David, you know, had brought him in and I was sitting with P and, and we had not signed him yet. We were down in San Diego and Master P and I went to Tijuana um, um, to go to the clubs down there that night. And I remember him t- saying on the on the ride down to, to Mexico, he was like, I'm going to be bigger than Dr. Dre. Right. And Dr. Dre was huge at that time. The chronic was gigantic, still is. And I, I was like, you know, man, if, if I could tell you 
how many times I've heard somebody say that to me, right? You know, I hope you are, but that's a tall order, right? Being bigger than Dr. Gray, right? Exactly. So just to further steal, not to, to suck all the air out of the room, but one of the things that continued to happen is P would make these prophecies, right? He would say, I'm going to be bigger than Dr. Dre. I mean, he did $218 million in 18 months in volume by putting out records with the tank on him, right? From all the artists that we're so familiar with now, right? That was in that crew. And, you know, he came to us one day and he called me, he said, I'm going to put out, you know, we, we, he actually didn't tell us. He just shipped a load of dolls, Master P dolls to the warehouse um, in Jacksonville at that time, which we were distributing our records. We weren't in the toy business, right? So I'm arguing with the guy about the dolls before I could get done with the argument, right? We put together a sell sheet and we put it out to our retail partners and it sold out and they were gone. You know, he said, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a movie. It's called I'm about it. Right. And, and I watched the movie and, you know, hey, I'll be the first one to tell you. And people that tell you differently may or may not be telling the truth. I didn't get it. I watched it. I was like, okay, you know, I was like, you know, that's a pretty, you know, pretty low budget movie. You know what I mean? Not, not a big deal. And the thing just blew out. I think it went four times platinum at that time. And then everything we sold on that thing went one way, which was unheard of at the retail industry at that time. We sold it all one way because, you know, he was like, hey, nobody believed in me. Nobody believed in the the in, in the movie. So they can buy it one way and own it if they want to have it on their shelf. So he he really changed a lot of the marketing and a lot of the, you know, ideas. And he was a real still is. I mean, he's still a great man. He was a real force to be reckoned with as it relates to marketing and concepts and then making them come to a reality. I mean, there's a guy that said, hey, I'm going to go play basketball in the NBA. Right. And he did. So one thing you can't front on that guy, and I still say that he probably has to be one of the top five um, executives in black music. And I put that up there with Barry Gordy, um, you know, Russell Simmons. You have to mention, you have to mention P right along with Easy E and those guys, because I think with P is even more profound because he wasn't exactly the best rapper in the world. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, you can never judge a man's heart. And man, that that guy wanted it more than anybody I ever met. And he went and got it. And I'm proud of him. And, you know, hey, he uh, he just, he he changed the game and he will, will forever be cemented in all of our, you know, history books as as a rap icon, one of a kind. Big props out to P. No joke. He's the truth all the way through and through. Yeah, he is. And I think one of the things with No Limit, I, I think, like you said, I think he was always kind of a step ahead of the curve with everything. Great marketing guy. Fantastic on execution. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I almost thought he was a prophet, right? He would say something and then sure enough, it would always come true. And I was like, my gosh, you know, I can't argue with this man anymore because whatever he says, whether I think he's right or wrong, doesn't matter. Well, one one way you got to look at it too. He had a kind of like a guy that was a predecessor for gangster rap in the south. I, you know, I don't never discount Uncle Luke for what they were doing down there, but that was a different yeah. kind of music. I think Jay Prince brought the gangsterism from the south, that gangster element. Because when you listen to those um 
rap a lot of CDs and you heard him talk at the beginning of them, it almost like he was giving you a message about what was going on in Houston at the time. And I look forward to those as a kid growing up in the Midwest. I used to love rap a lot of records. So was priority was priority was on rap a lot records first major distributor, weren't they? We were we distributed records for Jay. Jay's become a good friend over the years. I know that you you all have a relationship as well. And he's been on the show, right? Yeah, he's been on the show. Jay is a great dude, man. That's my buddy right there. So, you know, you gotta give early pioneer credit to Jay Prince, especially when it comes to Southern hip hop, right? Mm -hmm. Because we all have our, our, our geography, right? We got West coast had a little bit of a different feel and sound and a little bit of different culture, quite frankly, the things that people were into. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you had the East coast, which certainly had a different feel and sound and is credited with being the initial early, you know, introducing rap. Right. And they mm -hmm. had a different feel and sound. And then in the South, you know, uh, you know, Rap-A-Lot Records certainly defined that Southern feel and sound. And as far as I'm concerned, they'll always be the original down there. Signed some fantastic artists. Again, people that have become friends of mine over the years and much mad love, mad respect for. I consider Rap-A-Lot to be my, my family. Those people in the office down there. And Jay Prince and, and and the people that he had around him, Jay is is a one of a kind, straight up great music executive, and I love him to death. He did a fantastic job, continues to. And there's another man, whatever he touches, whatever he gets involved in, whatever he wants to see come true, he goes and makes it happen. And gosh, you know that's a beautiful thing, ain't it? Yes, it is. Because the thing about Jay Prince too is that. The thing I always loved about Jay is Jay don't do a whole bunch of tongue wrestling or lip wrestling. He kind of just give you that courtesy call as he likes to say it, and that's what it is, you know what I mean? And he's calm. I've never heard him raise his voice. It's always like, well, hey, this is what we want to do now right here, and this is what's going to happen. You go do this, and I'm going to do that, and we go going about our way. And there was never no bunch of lip wrestling then. Jay is just no nonsense. Yep, he he's a, he's a quiet man. I've had... I've had full-on meetings with my staff with him, you know, because Jay and I have been in several different, you know, distribution relationships. We were at Priority. We were at Warner with Asylum East West. I had, mm -hmm. you know, I had Jay there. And then I had Jay again at Fontana when I was at Fontana. And I had whole meetings with my staff and, and Jay didn't come to all of them. But when he was there, I've had meetings where he didn't say a single word during the entire meeting. People like, is is he cool with what we're talking about? Is he cool with what we're planning? Is, you know, this on this record release, is he in agreement? I said, if he's not in agreement, he'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, he'll he, he let you know. Now, let me ask you this. You've been around some pretty good executives, and you can answer this if you want to, because I know you're going to keep it 100. Have you ever had someone that was just an asshole that you just didn't like dealing with, but they were successful and you kind of tolerated them? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a whole notebook full of those people. Right. Um, I mean, you know, life tends to throw us um, um, a lot of different kind of people. And I'm sure there are people that have me in that same notebook on their desk, too. <laughs> you know, not everybody's built for everybody else, you know. And, you know, Steel, I'll tell you, I've been around a lot of people that I didn't want to do business with that I didn't really personally like, but I needed to do business with them because I respected them. And if 
I lost respect or they lost respect for me, that's the beginning of a very broken relationship. Yeah. And, you know, without that, you know, you can try as, at least my experience is you can try as hard as you want, but you just can't get there. And I've worked for people who just didn't respect me and didn't respect what I brought to the table. And that's okay. And I've had people work for me that I didn't respect and didn't respect what they brought to the table. And that's just a bad relationship. You need to cut that off sooner than later. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm real, I'm really good friends with, uh, um, with one of you guys biggest acts over there. Um, you may know him as Mac 10. Yeah. You know, me and him became, you know, pretty good friends over the years. And the thing I liked about Mac is he always talks about priority with like that priority breaks with that regard and that nostalgia. Like, like, man, it was the best time ever. You know, like it was a family. You know, I would go in and just like, you know, he, he tells me about the time he walked in and he started who banging and you guys just fully supported him with it. Yep. Yep. Max, a friend of mine as well, as you know. And, um, you know, honestly, you know, one of the things about priority it was funny. I see this happen in corporate America all the time. It's gotten a little bit better because, we're, you know, we've matured corporately and music's matured and hip hop's now the it's not a it's it's not a fad it's not a music of a culture it's not anything like that it is the largest most popular genre in the world right now and so with that said you know the thing that was magical about priority is that it was a community of people with really a common goal great leadership. And more importantly, we understood and we lived the culture. You know, we still live in a world where we call people black and white and we refer to them about their ethnicity. I think that's played out and I hope that during my lifetime, we won't. We'll refer to people as men and women or whatever they are, right? Instead of re referring to them by ethnicity, but we're still there. So if, if we're still there, I'll do the same thing. We understood black culture and we didn't understand it because we thought we wanted to be in it or we might. We understood it because we lived it every day. We mm -hmm. went I went to the neighborhoods. I was in, you know, people's houses. I was at their parties. I was there for their holidays. You know, and as you as the as much as we are the same, there are different cultural differences no matter where you're at in the north, the south, the east, the west, like we just talked about. Exactly. You know, different language, different way of speaking sometimes, different customs, lots of different things. We were in the middle of it. It was what we did for a living and we did it together and we did have a family atmosphere and a loyalty and a, and, and a real camaraderie inside that, that building that was really magical. I'll leave you with this as it relates you know, one of the one of the things that happened when Priority was purchased by EMI and I, you know, I mean, once EMI purchased it, I resigned and I went to Warner um, and worked for Sylvia Roan. Sylvia was kind enough to give me a, a shot to come to Warner and go to what we called the majors at the time because I'd been an independent my whole life as a big step. And, you know, I just when they bought it. I knew that they weren't going to maintain the culture of the company, mm. whether they intended to or not. I knew that was going to go away. And so I cut my, 
you know, I cut ties and left um, immediately. You know, I was one of the first to leave because I just knew it was never be the same. We were now owned by a corporation. We weren't owned by Mark Cerami and Brian Turner, who founded mm-hmm. the company. You know, they were they, they were still there, but but they weren't going to be the boss long term. EMI was. They paid the money. They wrote well, they the check. Huh? They cashed out. You know, now, now before we go on, because I know you have a long and storied career. Before we go on, I want to ask you this. Is there anyone that turned out to be super duper successful that the building might have fought you on? Have you ever wanted to bring someone in and someone in the building kind of fought you on it? Didn't believe in it? I I think that anytime you go to bring anyone in, people fight you on it whether it's another executive or it's another artist or whatever. But, you know, I, I will, I will never forget. We wanted to be in business with cash money and there was a lot of fighting in and around cash money. And I wish we'd have had them to be part of that family. Um, you know, for me as a sales guy at that time, and again, we did lots of other things, but I was classically trained sales guy. That's all I cared about. Right. I didn't care about who was a, you know, arguing or fighting with who or what colors people were wearing or rags they were flying. None of that mattered to me. I just cared that it would sell, right? Mm-hmm. That that something would go out there and be impactful and that we could go and create something exciting. And they always fight with steel, no matter what it is, because no one's going to have the same opinion. So there's always one side versus the other. And, you know, sometimes you lose. So 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 you mean to tell me that priority records could have had cash money records over there? And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure no limit had a problem with that. <laughs> there were lots of people that had a problem with it. And frankly, you know, I I was a I was a vote, a very uh, you know, minor well, I was an ins- insignificant vote that I wanted them there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I bet you did. You know, those guys sold a lot of records. And when they came, it was kind of like the, um, you know, what the funny thing is about that situation is now I know Birdman and I know, you know, I think they're both great people. But I think at that time, though, I think that without Master Pete doing what he did, Cash Money may not have had the success because Pete kind of opened up the door for New Orleans. I I will always see Pete as a pioneer down there. He was the one that got you know, got his shot first in a way, right? Jay, right? But certainly for New Orleans. Um, but yeah, he 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 went on and, and blazed the trail just like Jay blazed the trail for Southern Hip Hop. We got to talk about the sponsor of today's show. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, it's been a hell of a year for me. I know personally, I feel like I've aged 15 to 20 years over the last 12 months. If you like me, you feeling your age way more than you used to, especially in the bedroom. Now it's time to snap out of it, y'all. Spring is here, and it's time to get sprung with Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder, stronger erections to combat all forms of ED. That's erectile dysfunction, in case you don't know. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visit to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package so your neighbors don't know your business. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you approve, you'll receive your prescription within days. You know what the best part of it is? It's all done online. 
Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find a great ingredient, the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. You don't like swallowing pills, there's no problem as you chew this. Blue Chew's Delatafol and Tadalafi tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than the pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we've got a special deal for our listeners right here, Ron. Just, you know, right now, just for our listeners, try Blue Chew's free when you get when you use our promo code GC101. That's GC101 at checkout. You just pay $5 for the shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code GC101 to receive your first month free. I wore blue unknowing. Unknowing. Wasn't a part of the scheme, y'all. It wasn't a part of it. You know what I'm saying? You guys go out there and use that promo code in case, you know, you're feeling age. You don't necessarily have to be old to be having those problems. But um, so you left Priority Records. You're over now at a major label because a lot of people, you know, it's funny when you say a major because at that time, I think Priority was probably doing more volume than the majors were. We were we we were doing quite well. And, um, you know, we had certainly got the attention of everybody in the industry because we were on the top of the charts. Don't forget, before we leave Priority, that NWA for Life Record, right? Mm-hmm. That debuted at number one because SoundScan changed the reporting and it was more accurate. And so NWA ended up being the number one record in the country. And that opened a lot of people's eyes. Um, the other genre that really benefited from that change at SoundScan was country because country had a similar country music that is had a similar you know, path in that they weren't quite recognized for the contributions that they were making to the retail community. Retailers knew it, but the world didn't really know it until SoundScan changed their formula. And frankly, that was a big deal. So we had caught, Priority had gotten a lot of attention along with Master P being on the charts, what, every week with a brand new record that was was out there post that. Yeah, for for those out there that, that may not know what sound scan is, man, because we're talking about retail now. That's like that's like ancient stuff to most of these kids nowadays. <laughs> sound scan back in the day, children and young people listening to the episode right now. Sound scan was how they tracked the sales of records. You know, every time they scanned it, it would get recorded. I had a record store at one time, and we went sound scan and um. I could talk about it now. We got a whole bunch of free CDs in the mail all the time. It was pretty cool. Once we went sound scan, we started getting all kind of stuff for free. Yep. And 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 what, you know, at the end of the day, what sound scan results were, which you just referred to, Steele, is it drove the numbers on the billboard charts, right? For the top 200 and the and the pop charts and those kind of things. And so when NWA shot to Number one, when we re, you know we released the record, it was because the sound scans reporting and it ended up being number one on the Billboard chart. Oh wow! So that changed a whole lot of things. Now, let me ask you this: You go into the major system. What did they? What was there anything there that you just didn't like versus the old regime versus what you were used to doing? Oh, there were so many things. You know, anytime you make change, things are different, right? And change is always hard because we want things to kind of remain the same, right? Always. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if they're better, we still maybe don't know until we get in it. But yeah, the biggest change for me going to the majors is coming out of a, 
independent like priority, and I've referred to it several times during this podcast, is you can call yourself whatever you want, right? Head vice president of sales, you know, head of radio. But if a box needs to be moved, somebody goes and moves the box. Doesn't matter what your title is. And 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 that was what I missed the most is you know, I had a really great relationship with Power 106 and Hot 97 in New York, and I was driving a lot of initiatives with them on the advertising side, and a lot of our records were were, 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 were getting introduced there because we had a good relationship with them, and they were starting to understand, you know, the importance particularly of Southern hip-hop when it came to Master P, right? Because, again, you have to continue to break down barriers <laughs> of what people think is great over time. And that, when I got to the majors, all changed. If you're head of sales, I was head of sales at Electra with Sylvia. You do mm -hmm. sales. You don't do A&R. You don't do any radio promotion. You don't do any marketing. You do sales. That's your job. Stay in your lane. Go do that. And that's the way larger corporations are because they have a bunch of people assigned to do everything else instead of, you know, a few people that have to do everything, right? And that was a culture shock for me. Yeah, exactly. And I, I bet you that was because one of the things that I was running joke to me about industry, because I worked in the publishing industry one time, yeah. and um, I just got offered a job. It was funny, maybe like six months ago, a good friend of mine, Naeem Ali, hit me up and said, hey, you should apply for, you know, apply for this job, right? So I'm doing a following interview with the woman, and, and she's probably 30 years younger than me. And we're talking about it. We get to talking about, I won't say what company it was, but we get to talking about Prince. And I was talking about, you know, Purple Rain, and she didn't know what I was talking about. And I, and I kind of politely changed my mind about the position after having a conversation with her because I realized you know, this woman right here, I could possibly be working for her. And she don't know nothing about music. She don't know nothing about black music. She's just someone that's there because of whatever reason, but she had no passion for the music. And I just didn't want to go into a situation where I was just doing paperwork and research all day. I, yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't getting into it like that because to me, that's what the music business has become almost um, all about analytics and just the, the pure numbers on something. Don't get me wrong. Those are very important tools, but when you're trying to find that next stuff, I don't think Brian Turner and those dudes just in there looking at metrics back then. I think they were listening to stuff that was going to be impactful to the culture. Yeah. Those, those, you find dope music. Yep. Those guys were, you know, true. I mean, one of the things that I find a little bit interesting about the music business now is it is, to your point, Steel, very analytic driven, right? everything's out there in front of you, all the metrics, all the numbers, you know, there's no hiding from the data, so to speak. And that, I mean, back in the early music days and I, you know, long before my time and up through my time in the music business, these guys were signing artists that they believe were going to be successful. And they didn't have a bunch of reports they were looking at. They went to a show watched whether or not the crowd knew the lyrics, right? They listened to the local retailers. Were they selling the records, right? They went and did some of that grassroots stuff. And lots of people, and I've done it several times, I've signed many artists that probably in a 
analytical way did not deserve to have a record deal, but I signed them because I believe they were passionate and I believe that they were, you know, worthy of having a shot. I signed a deal at, at Fontana, you know, with a, a good friend of mine, Mark Tanner and chime music because he wrote a song that was influential to me. And I signed him based on that. How did it turn out? What any of the numbers were going to be. How did it turn out for you? Did fine. I mean, we it wasn't a giant success, but I'm glad we did it. Well, you know, sometimes it has to be about that, though. Like, I, I just think, man, a lot of music has to start coming from the soul. A lot of it has to mean something to somebody because we go out because there's a lot of stuff out there. It's like, let's keep it real. It's not... It's hard to get people's attention right now, but if you got some BS, it's easier to get people's attention now. This is definitely the era of just, um, and I don't want to say it because I like a lot of these young people's music. I'm not one of those old dudes that talk about the kids and what they're doing, but I definitely think that the system is kind of rigged right now that, you know, people can have the appearance of getting attention that they want to, but it's not really going there. It's not really making an impact like it is versus somebody just being, interested in the oddity that's going on at that time. You follow what I'm saying? 100%. I mean, I, I always referred to it and still refer to it like this deal. Authenticity, right? Is it authentic? Is that really who you are? Is that really, you're talking about stuff you really know something about? That meant something to me. Like we talked about the early priority days. These guys were living that life. They weren't fake. They weren't like, you know, it wasn't stuff they didn't experience. And that meant a lot more to me than I can go and tell stories all day that aren't true. Right. And I can go tell stories about things that I don't know anything about. And sooner or later, you know, game recognized game. I don't care what era we're in. If you're not really authentic, some point somebody's going to see through it. Now, whether they care or not, if the beat's hot enough right now is my question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I like to tell people all the time, I, I don't want to keep going back to P, but P broke down so many barriers. I think P was the first person that proved kind of like, now, don't get me wrong, P was, he was by far not the worst rapper of all time. There have been people that, you know, actually are way worse than him to call themselves rappers. You know what I mean? I think P proved, though, that if you had the beat man and the hook, a catchy beat and a catchy hook and a story, People were buying to it. The public, I don't think Joe Public care about that like that. People were buying into that because of the brand. And that's what artists and labels and entities should strive to be. Mm -hmm. People bought things that came out with that tank on it. Period. Mm -hmm. Whether they'd ever heard a beat or a note on it, they knew they had to have that release because it had the tank on it and if it had the tank on it it had to represent what they had experienced before with the no limit releases and that is that was the magic there was creating a brand that people had to be a part of remember him pulling the tanks out on the basketball court and the pendants and the, it, it went on and on and on and he was brilliant he was a genius he still is i mean I'm talking like he's not still here. He just had a birthday this week. He's a genius. He really yeah. is. And yeah. if you're watching, don't get a big head. <laughs> and, you, and you know that you, you, 
you know, the thing is, man, I think what it is, a lot of these kids today, and, and I hear people, people hit people hit me up all the time um, for whatever reason they think we could do something with their music. Everybody's looking for a break. Yep. And um, I tell these guys, like I ask people, what is it that you want out of your career? Why, why, why do you want to put an album out? If they tell me if the first thing out their mouth is they want to make money, I'll never deal with it again because that's going to be a situation that's not going to be, they're not in it for the right reasons, I think. I think when you know, I know when I was making music and I was putting out music and I was working for the publishing company and doing my thing, I was there because I love music. And I would have something to do with it. I probably would have did the job for free. If they'd have told me, hey, there's no pay for this job, you know, you come in and do it because I was passionate about it. I loved listening to the music. I loved um, getting the opportunities. Like when we had Warner Brothers and somebody hit us up and asked us if we had a song for this and we're looking at the scene, the movie, and you're trying to play something with that particular scene. It had to be all about the music. And if it's not about that, and I think that that's the same for anything, for any, for whatever walk of life you're in, I think you have to have some level of passion for it. Have you ever found throughout your courses, you've been around a long time, man. Have you ever just looked at this stuff and said, man, I'm tired of it. I don't want to deal with it no more. Oh, Steele, it's exactly why I'm where I'm at right now is you're a thousand percent right. I worked for 30 years and never felt like I was working. I was doing something I loved. I was doing it with people I love. Did I get in arguments? Did we have fights? Did we have threats? Did we have drama? Every day. But I loved it. And at the end of the day, I never felt like I got up and went to work. It was part of my life. It was part of what I, my, to your point, Steele, it was passion. And that's what should get people up in the morning. Because if you go do what you're really passionate about, the money will always be there. You'll always find your way to success because you're not working. People would say to me all the time, I'd go to dinner, I'd be on my phone, I'd go to here and I'd be on my phone. I'd be, they had Blackberries, then they had iPhones. And all of a sudden, you know, you were connected 24 seven. I was constantly working. I was constantly on a plane flying across the world always. And, you know, Hey, at the end of the day, people would say to me all the time, man, you're a workaholic. I'd be like, I'm not. This is what and who I am. It's not what I'm trying to be. It's not what I want to be. It's just part of who I am. I'm enjoying myself. This is fun for me. I love this. So at the end of the day, I never felt like I went to work a day in my life. When it started to be work for me is when I stepped away. Hmm. Because that told me, just like you just described, and it's such great advice to anyone, no matter where you're at in the walk of your life, to listen to. Man, when you stop enjoying what you're doing, you're doing it because you have to. That truly is slavery. Yeah, it is. It you is. know, if you're, if you're chained because you have to go because you got to do this or you got to do that. Now I know a lot of people got to pay their bills and they got to do this and do that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There's always an option to continue to look for ways to put you in line with your purpose. And if you can get in line with your purpose, it will be so much easier. You may, you may, Hey, you may have to be in bondage for a few years to do what you got to do to be able to get there. But at the end of the day, that should be your goal. Not money, not this, not that, not how do I sleep more and work less, none of that. What is it that I'm here and I'm really designed to do? 
Yeah, what's your purpose? And that's that that's one of the things that I preach to my kids, right? Um, I've always told my kids um that if you look for a job, so to speak, now there's nothing wrong with work because you, you can't stay here and just sit on your tail all day. You can't stay at home and just sit on your ass all day while I go pay the bills. I, I don't mean that, but I think that um if you're in a situation of where you're going to go work somewhere 40 hours a week and it's somewhere that you hate and you go do that until you're almost just like just pretty much just um just pretty much not living life, so to speak. You're, you're not you're just existing because there's no passion in what you do. But I think if you continue to work towards your why, I think you'll find success. I I agree with you, Steele. And and you know, hey, listen, I'm still in and around the business. I still have some publishing assets. I still have some artists I'm involved with. I'm involved with a really big artist right now, a heritage artist. We're working through both publishing and masters and all that kind of stuff. And I've been blessed to still be called upon to do that. And you and I talked the other day a little bit because we're friends. Maybe people out there don't know that we're actually friends. Maybe they think we're not, you know, <laughs> and yeah, I'm just yeah. guess. My buddy. But, but, you know, we talked the, uh, you know, the other day and I never, and again, I don't live in regret. I don't look back. Have I, you know, um, are there things I'd like to change? One thousand percent. Anybody that goes through this life is going to have some things that they wish they'd have done differently that they didn't. And that's all good and fine. But you know what? I just simply never I never hired a publicist. I never tried to put my name in the marquee lights. I never did a bunch of that type of stuff. Was that smart or not smart? I don't really know. So far, I probably could afford to. I haven't missed any meals. Thank God. You know what I mean? I haven't I haven't ever had to go hungry. So I think it worked out just fine, but I never did a lot of that stuff. I just followed my passion and I had three things that I tried to accomplish. I tried to be direct and honest and it offended a lot of people oftentimes, right? Um, Because be it the boardroom or the streets, sometimes that truth can be really sharp and sting, right? And there's no other way to say it, then this is what it is. And then I also just never wanted to be deceptive. I didn't want to be, my reputation and my name was very, it still is very important to me. I can walk into any community anywhere in the world and find my way through. No problem. And that's a gift from God. I'm appreciative. It's nothing, not not something I created or something I was given, but I can go to the Cali Hope Projects. I can go to Cabrini Green. I can go to Watts and I can walk right through there and I don't have any problem holding my head up because people are people and, and it's all good. And it's about how you carry yourself, the character of who you are and trying to be authentic to your earlier point, man, trying to live your purpose and be authentic. Right. And people mm-hmm. recognize that and they respect it. And most people want to see you do well as a result. You know what I mean? And I have a firm belief, man, that how you treat people in life, life is going to reciprocate that to you in return because, and now I'm not asking you this, so this is my own personal opinion, so I don't want nobody saying, going back and saying, Ron said this. Like, you go back to those executives that you had the opportunity to work with, um, and you mentioned one earlier, Damon Dash. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? 
I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So, what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. He treated people really, really bad when he was successful on top. And see, the one big misconception that people have when they're in power, they think people are bowing down to them because they respect them. No, it's not that they respect them. They're they're tolerating you because they almost have to at that point because you're in a successful situation. You're a part of a successful situation. So they feel like that they may have to take some of that crap that you're dishing out at that time. But the minute you fall off, instead of somebody giving you a hand to reach you, they're going to push you down even further because they're glad to see that happening to you. So I've always been the guy getting pulled up in the situations to where I've never treated anyone bad in my life during my life. I always treated the janitor like he was the CEO. And I think how we treat people is very, very important. I just think that that that's what it is nowadays, you know? You know what, Steele, at the end of the day, and again, I'm a long way from perfect, but I keep it 100. You know me well enough. I keep it right down the middle. I say what I feel and and it doesn't mean I'm right, but I say what I feel. I'm authentic about it. 
I try to treat people the way that I want to be treated at the end of the day. I'm sure there are a bunch of people that can say this, that about the other thing. And most of them probably don't know me very well, because if you do, I really try to live my life like that. Do I do it perfect all the time? No, but I, I'll tell you what we're talking about in my humble opinion is respect again, right? If I respect you as another man or another human being, then we'll at least start out on the right course. Right. Right. And, and you can destroy that. Right. You can lose my respect for you. Right. If, if, if you work at it, it's not hard to do. I can lose your respect for me if I work at it and show you something different than an authentic and straightforward person that I know still that you respond to. Okay. That's my choice to destroy that respect. Right. Not, not yours. Right. That's mine. If I, if I choose to put myself in a position where you're not going to respect me. Yeah. We all make choices. We all make choices. So we, anyway, we got off on a, I took you down a rabbit hole a little bit Get back on your courts. It's all good. So I want to ask you, you work with all of these like brilliant people that went on to become legendary. And when I ask this question, I'm not talking about the Sylvia Rones in the world or Mark Ceramics. Who is the best? Who you who, who would you say is the best executive that you've worked with in urban music? In urban music. Like urban music, like if you had to pick like from amongst the Dame Dashes, the Master P's, the P. Diddy's, or whoever, who would you say was the one that had their stuff the most together? I mean, I don't know them all, guys. So this is just based on my experience. You know, Brian Turner and Mark Ceramic at Priority will forever be ingrained in my mind as great urban executives because they were just doing what they were passionate about too. Mm -hmm. They weren't really trying, they weren't trying to change the world. They were trying to just do what they do. You know what I mean? And it Mm -hmm. did change the world. And that was really attractive to me. Um, But I got to tell you, um, I've had so many experiences with fantastic executives, not necessarily only in urban, because once I went to the majors, I got exposed to all kinds of genres and I got to work with lots of legendary people. And I'm very appreciative of that. But Jim Yuri is is a dear friend of mine. And Jim was a fantastic music executive who worked under Doug Morris for a very long time, built one of the greatest records, well, it's, it's certainly was a cornerstone of building, you know, the largest record company in the world at Universal. And he brought me in to run Fontana and I'll forever be in his debt. I can't, I can go on and on about Jim and the things I learned from him about being a great executive, be it music or not, the way he said things, the way he analyzed things, the way he processed things. And I was very blessed to have enough time with him to real. And by the way, I'm an acquired taste. So thank you, Jim, for taking a, a chance on somebody who's an acquired taste because I didn't taste that good to everybody out there. <laughs> see, see, Jim Yuri and those guys like that, those are expected. I'm talking about the guys that were kind of like self-made as executives. You know, the guys that were the heads of the um, of the jail bond records or the no limit records and, and things like that, these street executives. I mean, you know, how can you not go back to Jay Prince? And start there, right? I mean, Jay was, I mean, Jay created a culture and a genre 
out of Houston, Texas, that'll that'll never be erased. He just simply created a movement and a brand. Um, and he's a very, very, very smart man. Yeah, he has to be because if you look at what he's done outside of music in itself, it's incredible. The man, if you you know, he owns a couple of islands, man, and he has a ranch to where you gotta, you know, you gotta, oh, you, you just can't walk to his front door to deliver the mail. You know what I mean? You have to go on the drive to actually get to his crib. So I, I think he's done some incredible things, man. Uh, and I think the biggest thing with him is he did it all kind of on a low, too. Like and he, he did it on his own. He did yeah. it. He did it without, you know, a lot of these other people and a lot of these people that we're talking about had to have money from corporate America or somebody else. Jay created his own success. Mm-hmm. From from nothing. Mm-hmm. So sorry, Jay, to keep your name in my mouth this you know during this podcast the whole time. But you know I love and respect you. But that's the truth. You've got to put Jay at the top of the list. He created an entire movement, genre, and culture from nothing. Yeah, and you know personally, like the the, the person today, one of the newest execs. And he's not that new. He just kind of, he's not that new at this point. But my buddy, uh, Anthony Tiffin, top dog over at TVE. Oh, yeah. um, another guy, man, you don't never hear none of his crew's name in no mess. You don't never see him on a whole bunch of stuff. And he kind of stays behind the scenes like I think an executive kind of should. You know what I mean? He lets his artists go out and shine. He's not the main headline. Hey, he he uh, he's done a fantastic job with Top Dog Entertainment. Another one that you need to mention too is strange music. Oh yeah, Travis um, O'Gwen. What? Travis O'Gwen and Tech Nine. Travis O'Gwen and Tech Nine are not to be trifled with. They've created an empire in Kansas City, Missouri. They've done a fantastic job. Again, two people that I consider to be friends of mine. I think they're fantastic people for to me. I've had the privilege of working with them on a couple Great different people. occasions. Great people. I'm, those are my buddies. And they've they've created an empire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can go on and on. Listen, Suge Knight created one of the biggest brands in the business, Death Row Records. Yeah, well, you know, my only thing with Suge is, and that's like probably one of the great American tragedies right there, is that he really was on the cusp of being probably the greatest record label black music his black music record label of all time he was that close because if you think about it if he wouldn't have if he would have just made some better decisions and kind of stayed behind the camera a little bit and kind of just made some moves he would have wound up having eminem he would have probably wound up having bringing tde along i really envisioned should one day becoming like the head of interscope one day i envisioned that because one thing, if you take away all the BS and the shenanigans and all that other stuff, <laughs> he was a really pretty freaking brilliant dude. I mean, you can front on it. Death, death, death Row's a household name. So mm-hmm. even given all the stuff you're referring to, he still created a household name with some some of the greatest artists of our time. Yeah, he did. First of all, you know, the, the thing was, and as you know, with that business, man, I think that Sometimes it may be a little necessary to lay your to lean on somebody a little bit, 
But after he acquired Dre, you figure outside of Dre, he went and got a skinny, tall, skinny kid from Long Beach and made him a household name. Now, don't get me wrong, Dre had a lot of influence in that, but should they oh, yeah. took it to another level, though. No doubt. They took and, it to and you gotta give level. props. You got to give props where they're due, right? I mean, you know, that's what this is really about. At the end of the day, you know, all, any success in life is not come easy. And look, there are always demons, right? Always mm -hmm. demons that are circling around trying to be a part of that or tear you down. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to get drunk with success. It's easy oh, yeah. to feel like I'm better than you or I'm invincible or whatever those emotions that come up that, that, you know, we think might now that we're a little bit more mature may seem like they're crazy, but man, you know, when you're 25 years old, you're never going to die. Oh no. You think you're immortal. You're going to live forever. Right. So it, it's easy to fall into that trap of not really, you know, honestly, you know, you can you cannot fulfill your purpose too. You can be living it and not fulfill it. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. So man, let me ask you this, Ron, because I know you're busy and I ain't gonna hold you up the whole night. <laughs> What's going on? What do you have that you're working on right now? Because I know you got something incredible going right now that you probably won't even disclose, but I'm gonna <laughs> ask anyway. Well, I've got um I've got three fundamental things that I'm intimately involved in. I've got a very large name brand heritage artist that has publishing masters and um, um, and those rights that we're working through, which is fantastic. So we're able to create some new content. We're mm -hmm. able to put some contemporary flavor in and around a really, really important iconic artist. So we're do we're working creatively and we're working on the business side to maximize that. Um, and I've got two other things. I've got an application that I'll talk to you about that has some pat patents in around it. And we're, we're getting close to make that announcement that will really change the face of the music experience online. And we're right there. We've got the patents in place. That's fairly confidential, but it won't be long before I'll talk to you about it, Steele. Okay. And then um, I am also a partner in an electronic motorcycle company so we're just now starting that as you know i'm a big motorcycle rider i think i rode it to the studio to see you a couple times yeah. um, and uh oh did i lose you oh no i'm here can you hear me oh you're back yep i uh, for a second there i thought i lost you but anyway um, um i'm a partner in in that company and we're just now starting we've got kind of our design in place and you know this green initiative and the way that the world's going in and away from that carbon footprint. We're going to try and uh, and contribute to that and be a part of that. And I'm excited about that. So those are the the three whoops three things I have going on now um, that that are interesting to me and that I'm passionate about. So God has been great. I'm I'm still you know I'm still here. Thank God I'm still healthy and I still love the music. You know, yeah. music business. Music business, if they'll have me back and somebody wants to pay me a lot of money on part-time job, I'm available. <laughs> and, see, and that's the thing, man. These guys don't want to pay that much money. And that, that's like when I had to start a job, I said, well, man, I'll be losing money if I because the thing <laughs> is, 
when you go work for those companies, they want to have a say-so in everything that you got going on. Like they were asking me, that's one of the things they said, well, if you came over here, would you still do the podcast? I said, of course. I said, unless you guys got a way to pay me a whole shit ton of money to come over and do that exclusively. I said, but what I do in my off time is my business. So that didn't work out too well. But brother, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on, man. Where can the people hook up with you at, man? Man, I'm I'm around at info at Spalding, S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G-E-N-T, edwardnancythomas.com. So spaldingent.com, info at, you can always reach me there. I'm not hard to find. There's usually somebody around that knows who I am and has my digits. My phone number hasn't changed in 25 years, so I'm not running from anybody. So that's the same. So if you got my digits or you can find somebody that has them, all you got to do is buzz me too. Just ask about it. Okay, there we go right there, Ron. I appreciate you, brother. Hey, I thank you so much for having me on. I love you, man. I want wish the best for you and your family. I want you guys to stay healthy and safe. I can't wait to see you again when we all start moving around, brother. And thank you, man, for thank the you. opportunity to spend some time with you. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. All right, brother. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 